Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Zoom Green Room. It's my virtual green room. It's filthy, it's disgusting, and we can revel in those germs all we want because it's all virtual. So grab a drink and take a seat and save our most plush 70s velvet seat for our very special guest today. She is the administrator and creator of Culture Fancier, the blog, and she is an arts administrator and sort of has her hand in, in many arts pies throughout uh, Ontario and Canada overall. It is Glodine Brown. Glodine. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. So I was doing a little background reading today because I haven't seen you in a very long time. And uh, I noticed that you had actually gone back to Humber for arts administration, which I didn't know about that. When did that happen? That was 2018, 2019. Um, so, so fairly, good, fairly recent. Yeah, good timing on my part. So <laughs> <laughs> the year before, when I was thinking about it, there was like the school strike so that um, so a lot of people lost their year. Right. And then uh, now there's COVID. So I was like, okay, all right, I picked the right time to go back to school. Yeah. And how long of a course was that? It's a one year postgrad one program. Year thing. Okay. Previous to that, what school had you attended? So I've shared in college twice for different programs. Okay. Yeah. So and if, if non-linear career path was uh, a person, it would be me. <laughs> so <laughs> it's more common than I think people yeah. <laughs> realize honestly but um and what what pointed you in the direction of like an arts administration well um so as somebody who uh so my background is in interior design that's my first like post-secondary right um, post-secondary I guess degree diploma um so I have a three-year diploma in interior design from Sheridan College so I've always had an interest and a background in the arts um I'm always somebody who's, you know, gone to, you know, museums, galleries, live music. It's such something that's always been a part of my life. I'm somebody, yeah, I go to all the things and uh, I try to support arts as much as I can. Uh, when I started the blog five years ago, it kind of more like hyper-focused my, like, um, not really my interest, but more of like what I wanted to do in terms of advocacy and supporting and like behind the scenes stuff uh, instead of just, uh, you know, going to a show and sharing about it or interviewing so um and then so four years ago i was invited to join the kafka board of directors um so i definitely got more of a behind the scenes um view of an arts organization so it's a and volunteer let's just board. mention what yep. kafka is yeah so kafka is a um it's a 20 year old organization now that puts on a biennial of art in the public space in the uh, region of Waterloo. So there's art um, in public space. It's meant to encourage people who may not go to the gallery or a museum to you know, engage with art that they come along in their like day-to-day -day life. And it's meant to provoke conversations in the community and to um, you know, talk about relevant issues that are going on in the community. And we invite uh, local, international, um, and you know, different artists from around the world to come and contribute to that conversation with uh, the art projects that they make. Excellent, okay. So <laughs> knowing yeah. that, so that's the Tri-Cities, um, is you're sitting on the, the board. 
Yeah, so I was on the board for two and a half years. And then after I finished at Humber, um, we were looking to fill a staff position and um, somebody on the board was like, hey, you know, Glodia is looking for work. You know, she knows the organization already. Um, she's a hard worker. We respect her. Um, why not offer her the job? So I stepped off the board to take that role. Right. So I was in the programming and operations um, role for a year. And now I'm in the general manager role. I was, I've been in that role since September of last year. Brilliant. Yeah. Let's climb in the stairway. <laughs> <laughs> and when you, um, so, and we were talking before we, we started recording that you are still going in, just not every day. Yeah, so twice a week, just to check the mail, process expenses, invoices, get things ready for the bookkeeper. Um, it's like our studio, our office is located in Globe Studios, which is uh, like an artist hub. So it's a little bit different vibe going in there now during COVID. It's not, uh, it's not as not as busy or more people behind closed doors. So it's a little bit of a different uh, feeling when you go in there, but it is nice to have a, like a change of scenery uh, and the yeah. kind of somewhere to go. <laughs> so that's nice. Yeah, we've definitely, we also go in once in a while. Um, one of my coworkers goes in more cause she sort of lives right there, but it, it's kind of weird going into the building there there's a little bit of rehearsal going on that's very spaced and they have to be tested and it's all of this kind of thing but the upper floors ghost town where they used to be just like going like popping you know what i mean it's odd but it's very strange it's kind of yeah it's kind of a weird vibe for sure yeah i mean we're getting used to it by now obviously but um (laughs) it's it's odd and so that I just wanted to have that sort of background because I feel like, I mean, maybe you wouldn't agree, but I feel like your profession with Kafka and the blog actually go nicely hand in hand because you might have sort of interesting people passing through that you might want to snag for, the, for an entry. Like, is that, do you feel that's true or is that not really how it works? I think um, I think they do go hand in hand. Um, I have had some coverage of like participants of Kafka that have been on the blog before, but I haven't written those. I've had a guest, a guest blogger do that. Um, I do meet a lot of interesting people through Kafka. Not always, um, they don't always end up on my blog, but I mean, I also do the social media and all the behind the scenes stuff for Kafka as well. So I'm interacting with them in different ways. It doesn't always end up on my platform though. Okay. Yes. And I did know, I, I have been looking at your blog on and off for since it was born. Cause I, I, uh, I actually, because I wasn't sure what you'd gone through. Did you ever do any kind of course with journalism? I didn't it's just so funny though that's what I really that was like one of the things I wanted to go to school for like 20 plus years ago but uh, (laughs) who's counting it's all a blur yes Um, well I what I noted I mean the articles are real they're nice they're snappy they have a point you know what I mean like they they don't some blogs do wander a bit because the person is not a professional writer and that's okay but yours are very like you have a thesis going in and even your questions are really well prepared. I was wondering, do you think that your writing style has evolved at all since you started in 2016? I mean, that's a lot of practice. 
Um, yeah, you know what? I think it has. Uh, my goal when I started the blog was to make it accessible. Like, um, like I'm not an art critic. Um, you know, I don't do write about like critical art theory or anything Mm-hmm. like that. Like my goal is to make it accessible so that everybody can kind of read it and understand and not feel overwhelmed because we've all read something, not only in arts, but just, you know, general reading where it's just like, well, like too much. And you're like, wow, maybe this isn't for me. Or am I, you know, am I, am I smart enough to understand this? So my goal has always been to make it accessible as possible and just kind of like fun and, uh, you know, not, not too long. Yeah. So I think, I think it has, I do a combination of just straight Q and A or sometimes like a longer profile piece, but I think it has like looking back at some older posts versus um, like some of the more recent ones. I think it has, I think that happens with time too. And it also depends on, Uh, like the person I'm interviewing or the the show that I'm writing about. But in general, I try to keep it accessible. And I mean, I appreciate that because, I mean, for somebody like me, I had quite a bit of art, like visual art training, but it was, it's all classical. Right. So it's like old white guys painting fat ladies and it's, <laughs> it's great, but the, I'd never learned any really very like contemporary was like pop art from like the fifties and sixties. That was as contemporary as it got in school. So when I see a new piece of art, if I enjoy it, I'm not really sure how to come at it to understand what it is. And I think Right. that's where these articles are really helpful Mm-hmm. and not making you feel like I'm, I could never really, I'm not cool enough for this or you Right. know what I mean? <laughs> exactly. Um, I also was wondering like how, how are um, topics or artists sort of chosen or how do you, what is it about somebody that make like tips you off to think like, Hey, this I'm actually going to do for myself, my own, um, you know, blog and not just put it on, use it for work or, you know, how, how do you decide what they have to have a certain something or. Um, well, social media is a big driver of that. Um, Mm. I follow, I've like, I hate to say discovered because it's not the right word, but I've come across a lot of, um, you know, different artists that way. Uh, you know, sometimes it's just watching from afar and you kind of see their career develop and you're like, oh, I want to talk to this person. Like they're, you know, the work is interesting. They seem interesting. Uh, or sometimes I go to a show and I see the work and then I want to talk to them after. Um, So it's just stuff that I think is interesting. And then also I like to give people who may not have um, a platform, like a, a chance to speak out about their work. I feel like I'm really good at connecting people. It's like one of my greatest joys is when I interview someone and then I find out later that someone somewhere uh, has read the interview and offered them an opportunity elsewhere. So that makes Yes. me really happy. Um, it's happened like uh, several times. I'm like, this is really good. So um, yeah, that's just kind of how I choose it. If I think they're cool or I think their work is cool or if I'm just like, you know, more people should know about this person. That's generally how I choose. I was really fascinated with the article from this past March 11th, my birthday. Thanks for putting it up on that day. Huh? <laughs> Happy birthday. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I'm very old. Um, but it was a, it was a, a deaf painter or Yes. a deaf artist. And it was sort of, it's funny because I'm not surprised that, that 
like like anyone with any sort of uh you know physical challenge is overlooked but to me it makes such perfect sense that someone lacking the sense of hearing would create these vibrant amazing pieces of art because they're they're picking up more maybe that we just take for granted because we're hearing the car go by and we don't stop to look at it or you know what I mean right so it was sort of it was it was such an interesting read and also sort of um it's disappointing in a way to me (laughs) you know I mean I just wish we were a little further ahead and I mean so much has has happened this year as well with bringing to the forefront all these unbelievable inequities which to me are, are almost magnified in the arts for sure for sure. And I, yeah, I'm sure you have noticed this as well. And does that, did that either the whole time you've been writing or maybe more so this year, do you feel more compelled to push for put featuring people either with a disability, a different orientation, you know, different ethnicity? Is that sort of becoming part of the priority for you or is it just the art matters and that's it? Well, generally, like I've talked to so many different people um, doing all kinds of different art, um, different, you know, genders, races. So I, I pretty much talk to everyone, yeah. um, you know, being like a black person, I, it's always in the back of my mind about, um, you know, when I go to shows, um, you know, who, who else is there? whose work is being featured. That's always just in my mind all the time. Um, I don't know if I've like made it a priority. I feel like it's something that I've always been doing. Yeah. Um, I think more people are becoming more aware of, like you mentioned, the inequities now. I feel like I've always been aware of those. So yeah, generally, I don't think I've changed much of what I've been doing because I do talk to you know, all kinds of different people. And, you know, over the past five years, I've talked to lots of people that, you know, have different intersections. So not much has changed for me. And I don't think that's going to change going forward. I'm just going to kind of keep doing what I'm doing. I feel like I've had a pretty good run so far of representing people from different um, backgrounds, intersections, different types of art as well, too. Oh, yeah, you're way above and beyond most of your average, but I, I had to ask because of the, I mean, we've, we've just, there's been tectonic shifts from my point of view as a, a white this year, just watching, just going, what are we doing? Right. Like, you know, you know what I mean? And, but, and, and suddenly you're seeing it everywhere you turn. It's not, and I mean, you're, I mean, this is not news to you. I understand. I mean, some of it, I feel like wasn't news to me, but some of it, it is, it's just, you start looking deeper and deeper right? and it's more shocking. So I'm thrilled to see that your articles do feature and it's, it's not just a range of ethnicity. It's a range of everything. Right. And I think that's just what we have to keep doing in and visual arts. Sometimes I think can get left behind um, because you don't see the artist. And I feel like that's an excuse. Right. That's true. This is like all these like white dudes can just sort of slip through. But on stage, we have to see the color and you're in big trouble if we don't. But I feel like the, uh, the visual arts, maybe it's a little slower to get called out because we're not thinking. It's true. I also wonder what, do you have a personal favorite type of entry that you do? 
Uh, like on the blog? Yeah. Hmm. Personal favorites. Not really. Um, no, I like all of them. It's not really a personal favorite. Like lately, over the past year, it's been more focused on just interviews because so many things have been closed down or limited access. So um, I would like to get back to more like like featuring like shows and things that are open because I want people to, you know, like know of what's out there that they can go to and see. So not really a favorite. I like I like everything. Um, I actually really love doing interviews. My favorite is when I, I usually... If I can meet with the person in person, I will like record it and then, you know, do the transcript after. And my favorite thing is just listening back after and just like, usually there's a lot of laughter because we're just having like a really good time. I'm like, oh, this is like, that is like my favorite thing about doing interviews, just listening back. And after you get over like the cringy sound of your own voice, then, uh, <laughs> you know, you're like, Ugh. but then after that, you know, we're like, oh, we're like, this is good. Like I'm getting a lot of good information. We're like having a conversation. We're laughing like that is one of my favorite things about interviewing. And then and then after that, just sharing it with other people. And when other people um, comment, they're like, you know, this is really great. This is what I need to hear at this time. Um, this is really relatable. Thank you for putting this person on my radar. All of that is just, it's really rewarding to me. Do you ever, um, you're a wonderful writer. I wonder if you ever think about moving your media into other forms, like something like this or a video of a, of an interview, or if, if you've ever tried that, you know, some people have mentioned podcasting. It's kind of in the back of my mind. I haven't really given it much consideration. I do like video interviews. I don't have like the resources or the tech to like set it up properly, but I have done like video interviews for like through work mm-hmm. and um, you know, moderating panels that have been filmed for other arts organizations. Um, so definitely, I think that's something that I would be comfortable with at some point once I just, you know, get everything set up to do so. And you were a recipient of an award this year. I did last year. Yes, I was. Um, it's hard. I, so I'm still thinking it's 2020. Yeah. Excuse me. <laughs> Let's not go back to 2020. No. <laughs> um, yeah, in November, I was uh, nominated. Uh, and I did win an award for um, the Arts Awards Waddle Region in the general category. And it was a surprise to me. Um, I'm actually on the board of that organization. And um, so like board members, you know, can still get nominated. So myself and Pam were nominated when, like, we don't know who the nominees are. Like our admin person takes care of all of that. So we didn't know. Um, she just said someone from the organization has been nominated. So I didn't think it was me. I thought it was Pam. And then when everything came down, she was like, oh, it's both of you. I was like, oh, okay. That's like really great. <laughs> like it was surprising and a, a big honor for me. Pam, you're going down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Now, did you collect that virtually? You must I have. did. Oh my god! Yeah, so we had um, we had a good like tech team like working with us to do like all the behind the scenes um, stuff. So they set it up so that each recipient like got their um, gift basket and their prize and everything virtually, oh, wow. and then it was like combined with uh, an online thing. So it was pretty. It, it went pretty well, but yeah. Normally that would have been uh, like an in-person thing, like at a, a hall or something like that, but yeah, it was virtual and it was, it was pretty good. It sounds a lot better than my, you know, 20 something year old Bernice Adams award that <laughs> fell, it fell apart like this. 
it's, it's gone. <laughs> what was in that gift? That was there Kitchener swag in that? <laughs> no, 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 no. So there was like the the pin, which was really nice. Yes. Um, well, pins a good idea. Pins are good. That's yeah, better than can... an eight pound block that just falls apart. Right. Not that I'm bitter. That? Yeah, I'm not bitter about it. <laughs> Yeah, and there was um, like a gift card to like a local, local restaurant and some like wine and uh, there was a monetary prize as well. So it was nice. That's yeah. wonderful. Congratulations. Thank you. It's interesting. Now, I also wanted to ask, how did the name Culture Fancier come to you? Because I find naming things is like, I always end up coming up with something, but the agony beforehand is really a it lot. Was, uh, I thought about like launching the blog for like a long time before I actually launched it. And uh, there was a lot of brainstorming, a lot of asking people, a lot of, you know, searching to see what other names had been taken. What do you think of this? What do you think of that? So, yeah, I looked and there was like no website or anything with the name Culture Fans, you know, other blogs or anything like that. And I was like, it's it's me. Like, that's me. Like, this is what I do. And it's like a perfect description and nobody else had taken it. So, yeah, after a lot of like, you know, different names and crowdsourcing with friends and family and just online research it uh that's how it that started yeah did you do that logo or did somebody who did that my sister actually did that logo for me um it's she's pretty, so adorable thank you she's pretty like uh design and techie so um yeah she did it for me she did it for free which was great yeah and uh, yeah I'm thinking now because it's been like five years a little over five years now maybe like a rebrand is going to be in the works at some point mm. so I checked with her to make sure she was okay with that and she and she was so maybe in the next year or so there might be some rebranding going on We'll definitely check it out before it, it switches and we'll do the, the website again at the end. But culturefancier.com, it's a pair of gorgeous purple lips and a monocle, yep. wearing a monocle because my my discerning eye that's your the yeah. arts <laughs> well she's classy you know what i mean like she's not just <laughs> see you at like a rock concert but wearing like opera glasses to watch the show. <laughs> keep it in balanced what kind of events are your favorite to sort of frequent when events were happening like do you mm -hmm. i know you like a concert i love a concert love a concert been going to concerts since i was 15 i love a good live show it's great a little bit older now so I have like less patience for you know things like mosh pits and, and yeah stuff like the craziness <laughs> but I yeah I love live music and like just that festival vibe where you can see like a bunch of different bands for like a you know good price and get to make those decisions am I going to see this person or this person or half of this set and then half of that set I just love that kind of like energy I do love actually I love everything I love theater visual art shows like artist talks where you get to kind of hear the like behind the scenes or dive more deeper into their work so you get more of a like a feeling of what the work is about because sometimes you can go to a gallery museum you're like okay this is this is beautiful or great or whatever and you interpret it in your own way but I like when there's like a talk and then you can kind of Know, speak to the artist directly or they can tell you a little bit more about their process that's always I always like that as well too have you you've curated a show as well is that correct yeah I did um like three or four last year so my friend um Jen she runs an art gallery slash yoga studio and she's an artist herself or former artist she doesn't really practice uh, her art as much anymore and so she's like one of her things is like helping like emerging artists as well 
uh, because she knows what it's like to be an artist starting out and she got help from her community when she was starting. So she's turned her studio into a yoga studio, but it's also like an art space. So she called me, um, I guess mid COVID when things were first opening up and um, she, she said, like, I'm focusing more on my yoga business right now, but I still want to do the art, but I, you know, I can't do both and like give both equal attention. So would you be interested in curating the shows? And she's like, you, you know, you've got the blog, you know, all these artists. And I said, sure, I would love to do that. So, um, yes, yeah, so we worked together just choosing the artists and I would help do the publicity by doing an interview and we held like opening nights and um, yeah, so they were pretty successful. So like each artist sold like a few pieces of work um, at each show and uh, one artist, uh, Kat Herndon, we were actually able to give her a show when one of her shows had been canceled because of COVID, which was like a nice little like boost to, you know, get her art out to, you know, other people and also like to kind of replace a show that she had lost. And uh, Trish Abe is a local artist here. We curated um, a show with her. She sold some pieces as well too. Um, an author friend of mine out West actually bought a piece, which was kind of like kind of neat. Yeah, then the last show with Ann Jackson, it wasn't as successful just because it's we right, right when we were going into the lockdown. So uh, she didn't get as much attention as you know we would have liked. But she's yeah. featured on the blog. She's well. featured on the blog. Yeah. And we did like a live video, like walkthrough uh, in the tour in the studio as well. So people could get to see the art. Um, yeah, we're hoping like maybe in the next few months, depending on how things go to, to bring those shows back again with, uh, you know, different artists. Yeah. Even if you could let in like seven people at once, and, right. you know what I mean? And they get half an hour or something. That's what yeah. it's going to be, but that's yeah. okay. Right. Let's just get people standing up and moving around again. Would be, exactly would be amazing that's yeah that really interests me the, the the concept of curating even though I have no I I've curated stage shows before where you get different people to perform different skits but that right. I understand <laughs> the art uh, the art just is like <laughs> magical to me <laughs> you you pick and choose right and who's right. gonna go together and where things should hang and it's very exciting to me yeah, I mean, like, I'm not like, a, I don't have formal education in, in curatorial practice or anything like that. But it's um, like, I know the space where it's going. Um, and then, you know, we visit the artist, and then uh, yeah, we pick the pieces. And then Jen and I hang the show. And sometimes it's like a few things. We're like, oh, well, this doesn't look good here. And then you move it around until we find the right flow and the right way to best you know, display all of the art. So um, yeah, a little bit of trial and error, but yeah. uh, usually it works out like really well. And then it's like, you know, making sure they're all lit properly and there's a good flow and all of that stuff, but it's fun. I like it. Going forward with, with the blog and you said there might be a, a rebrand coming up. Like, do you, do you see it going on for like another decade or like, wh what would you like to see happen with the blog? Mm, my dream goal, two things. So one, to publish a book one day, which is, has excerpts of uh, artist interviews. Because um, sometimes I ask like similar questions. So like, you know, what advice would you give to other artists or things like that? So, so picking up commonalities from interviews from different artists and then putting that into like a little book. Uh, it's like always something I've thought I would like to do one day. And also I would love to take it like on the road. Like maybe that could be like a video thing, just like, you know, going to different countries, talking to artists around the world, you know, seeing what things are like politically there. Like how does this affect your art, how you create or what you can create. We've seen, especially in the last year, um, 
you know, a lot of uh, issues around censorship and um, yeah. protest art and art as activism. So I think it'd be really great to just go around the world and say, like, I'm in, you know, XYZ country. You know, this is what's happening here. We're talking to these artists. And I mean, so, like, art is a global thing, but there are different, you know, circumstances around the world that affect, you know, the kind of work you create or, you know, the visibility of the art. So I think that would be something like, you know, a long-term dream to just bring it around the world and just talk to different artists and do studio visits and, and stuff like that. Well, if anybody can make it happen, I feel like <laughs> you can make it happen. And I, I definitely see that book is something that could very well happen. It's, you know, it's, it's just going to be on your work on it and you're not afraid of that work i can right <laughs> i can see that <laughs> putting in the time and putting yeah in the time sitting for sure. on 80 boards she's <laughs> interviewing she's getting it done but i mean that's i, I did want to talk to you too because i and I, I mean part of this podcast is highlighting not just artists but people like yourself either working to promote the artists or even people working as the administrators who make the tickets go out and how does this come from the, the uh, concept to a show and all of these steps that people may not be familiar with right and you know the arts uh, you know the visual arts especially I feel like really need a strong advocates because it's not a priority in our world but it is a therapeutic or can be a very therapeutic vessel especially when it is like a, a something that is more accessible to more people and not this thing people think of as like the Mona Lisa that somewhere they'll never see it they don't know what it is right now it's, Amanda Paris um, wrote this great article in the early part of the pandemic and it was about like the value of artists and how we should never take them for granted again. And, you know, there's always, um, you know, when people are talking about universal basic income or arts as non-essential, it like, it's really frustrating because you look at this past year when we were like all stuck inside and like everybody turned to art immediately, right? We were watching Netflix, we were reading books, we were streaming virtual concerts, we were Guzzling doing virtual museum yeah. tours, gallery tours. So like, that tells you right there that art is 100% essential. There's just a lot of um, change that has to be made about the way people think about the value of it and the value of people who create it. But yeah, art is 100%, 100% essential. Um, yeah, it's, it's a frustrating thing, but it has, I think that comes with education, like ongoing education. Um, you know, people talk about, oh, you know, you're an artist, you should get a real job as if like we haven't benefited from the labor of artists like since forever. So yeah, we just don't yeah. like to pay them. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's such an odd thing. I think it comes from the sort of old, 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 you know, European tradition of being a, a patron. Mm -hmm. So they were privately paid. Right. So that means that no one's responsible. Right. Yeah. And that's, that I, I do think it's, I mean, people aren't conscious of it, but I think that's where it comes from. I think so too, you're right. But the problem is, is this art we have now is being used for the common person and everyone, not just some guy in his castle that's pr privately paying some guy to make statues and stuff, right? So yeah, we've got to rethink everything, especially when we're consuming it on a mass scale, like right, right, like right now. Mm -hmm. I really want to thank you for uh, for 
coming on the Zoom green room, <laughs> sitting in my disgusting green room that I love. I wanted to end <laughs> with, a, a. I was trying to think of, um, I have several fond memories. We didn't mention that we did attend a year or two of high school together. Yeah, back in the day. Surprise, as they say. surprise. <laughs> but it, and it was concert related. This is so stupid. But I, I don't even remember where we were going. But for some reason, because we were meeting other people, we were we were like friendly acquaintances. Can we say that? I don't know if we were ever like the two of us as like besties, but we were friends through friends. Right. Yeah. Is that fair? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> You're like podcast over. Hang up. <laughs> <laughs> but you were picking me up and we were going somewhere. And the 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 radio we were we were very interested because it was right when Gavin Rosdale of Bush fame ah. decided to release a, a, a solo single. And I remember <laughs> driving and you were like, whoa, 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 wait, let's, let's hear. And you turned it up and both of us went hysterical listening to the lyrics. <laughs> Listen, he was never a strong he's songwriter. Not, he's not okay? a poet. All right. No, like, no. But I, I don't even remember the whole song, but I can still hear you. You're driving and you're just going, when he's going to extremes. Like, you know, <laughs> I'm going to have to look that up now because I want to close out this show. <laughs> Whatever it is. Now I'm going to look it up later too, but that definitely sounds like me. Yes. Yeah. Oh, to- oh, we were, we were both almost crying. Like that's how bad it was. Cause I think we were despite ourselves we knew Bush was stupid but we were like, <gasps> like it was this solo thing. And we started listening to it and we just died. We just died. And it was, it was one of those things where the lyrics were also very clear, mm-hmm. but he was like, I'm really cool right now. <laughs> but I think that somehow you took inspiration from that song because Claudine, you don't feel the pain when you're going to extremes. <laughs> Kevin Rossdale, inspiring people since... <laughs> The late 90s. Yep. Uh, I'm going to go listen to some Bush after this now. Totally, totally. And not pretend that they're not like 58 (laughs) or however old they are. (laughs) Go to culturefancier.com right now, read some articles, and hit that red support button and support Glodine because she is uh, doing the artist Lord's work. Thank you. And thank you, Glodine. I appreciate it so much. If you enjoyed the show, you can rate us on iTunes. It helps out me, it helps out the show, and it's free to do. I'll see you next time. Bye.